Hello, welcome to Off Curve. I'm Wicked Good, and I am talking to you about Hearthstone as I am uh, driving around on errands. It is Thursday, January 20th, 2022. Um, I actually was expecting to be recording this tomorrow on stream, and then I unexpectedly had to change a haircut appointment to tonight. And I also thought that tomorrow was the 20th, <laughs> and I thought we were getting balance changes tomorrow. Um, so I thought I was going to be getting the, I thought we were getting them on Friday. I was going to be talking about them tomorrow. And turns out I don't know how to read a calendar. So hi, <laughs> here we are. Um, so we got balance changes today. We got the announcement of balance changes today. These, these balance changes will be live on Tuesday when the big battlegrounds patch um, goes live, which is also going to have like five more mercenaries and new heroes and duels and a whole bunch of other stuff. And, and, I, I can't really adequately cover those. I'll, I'll be in, I'll be honest. The battlegrounds reveals are kind of overwhelming for me. I, you know, this is this is just going to be a little bit of editorializing. Like I actually find battlegrounds more complex than I think a lot of people do. And and I play a fair amount of TFT when I'm not playing Hearthstone. Um, like I'm at like platinum three right now in TFT. And and I actually find that less overwhelming than Battlegrounds because of the variance that all the hero different heroes introduce. Like, there are different play patterns that are introduced for all of the different heroes if you're going to be playing optimally, optimally and at a high level. And adding Battleground buddies to that, adding, like, specific minions with specific effects at a reasonably specific point in the game, um really kind of blows that out of the water for me and I'm really not sure like even how to evaluate all that like I'm not going to like this is not a battlegrounds podcast and there there are better places for you to go and get that content um but yeah I'm, I'm actually finding like all of the battleground buddies like overwhelmed they're adorable at least at least some of them like the Zarella's baby Alec is is I would like to hug him and love him and call him George um but like I'm, I'm frankly pretty overwhelmed by all of the battlegrounds reveals and can't really keep up with it. And I imagine this is probably how battlegrounds players feel when standard card reveal season comes around, um, which is fair, right? Like it's not necessarily for me, so I don't need to um, be on top of all of it. Um, but we did have some standard balance changes and, and wild balance changes too, some fairly significant ones. Um, that I'll talk about too, because I have been playing a fair about a fair amount of wild. Um, the past week, I'm going to be. I, I hope I can say this because nothing's been announced yet. But I'm going to be casting the uh, the the semifinals and finals of the uh, Wild House Nation House um, House Rivalries Nations tournament this coming weekend. Um, keep an eye on my Twitter for where that's going to be. Um, so I've been playing a fair amount of wild. Got myself back up to like Diamond Two with a variety of decks. And, and so I can see where this is going to be a fairly significant meta shakeup for wild. And I think I can talk about that like moderately intelligently. I'm still not a wild main. Um, but at least I can talk to like why those, those changes are happening and what, and, and what the significance of them are. So let, let's, let's get into it. Cause there's a lot to unpack here. Okay. So we'll start with the big one, which is that, sh um, shadow, is it shadow crafter shab scabs? Shadow Crafter Scabs. I can never remember, like, I just refer to them by, like, Scabs Hero, right? Like, I don't remember the actual names of them, but the uh, Scabs Hero Portrait is going from 7 mana to 8 mana. And 
I think this is good. I, I think that seven mana was just like a little too early for what Scavs is going to do. Like that should be like a late game card. Like, yes, um, Vanish was a seven mana card, but Vanish didn't also put two four twos on the board that you couldn't normally remove and give you a hero power that lets you play another card behind it. So I think moving this to eight is good. I mean, it's still, you're still gonna be able to do things behind it because of the hero power. Um, I think that's okay, but just like it came down too early. And, and typically what this will do is for something like a poison rogue, generally your curve was turn five cloak of shadows, turn six cloak of shadows, turn seven scabs. So, because like turn five is around the time when A, you can do things ahead of Cloak of Shadows, like alongside Cloak of Shadows in the same turn. And also because that's when your your opponent, if you're if they're playing a board-based deck or whatever, would generally generate enough pressure that you wouldn't be able to just ignore. Like you can spend, and we talked a lot about, about Poison Rogue and Thief Poison Rogue specifically on the last episode. And, and you can go back and listen to that. But I mean, you can generally do a reasonably good job of controlling the board um, early in the first couple turns or just ignoring it. But there does reach a point where the pressure becomes too much, right? And then, you know, this way it was three consecutive turns at like five, six, and seven of being able to stealth and then stealth again and then remove the board. And usually removing the board meant getting a taunt out of the way so you could also swing with the weapon, right? You could still swing with the weapon usually because you would have paralytic poison, but it, you know, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be doing any face damage. So this is going to delay all of that by a turn. And in Thief Rogue, it'll also delay that by a turn where sometimes they just get it on seven and, um, you know, and can kind of just come back from that. So I think, a, you know, a big, a big board clear like this it's not a true board clear because your opponent gets to play everything again, but it, it may as well be if you're if you're playing things like Scenarian Ward, um, you know, like like stuff that's generated. Like if you're going Solar Scenarian Ward, then you know they get to play this and effectively remove your minions. So I, I think this is good. I think that you know Shadowcrafter Scabs has been. I mean, it was. I got a lot of things wrong in the in the HS replay, um, you know, rate the heroes thing, but I got this right. Like this was number one with a bullet and it wasn't the first one to be nerfed, but it could have been. So I, I think this is a good change. I think it'll just kind of help knock rogues power level across the board down a little bit because there's no rogue deck that's not playing Shadowcraft or Scavs. So having him be a little bit slower is, is a good thing. So another big change to Rogue across the board is Wild Paw Null, which I think we've all recognized as a problem. Um, you know, we, we've, we've talked about it at length. It, you know, those of us who have been playing for a while would probably make a pretty accurate comparison to Corridor Creeper, where it was just a little bit too, or too easy to get out, and it was a little bit too powerful when it did come down. So while Pano is going from a 5 mana 4-5 to a 6 mana 3-5.
So that means that it's going to come out a turn slower, which is good because it often came out on two. So it'll normally come out on three and it will do less damage when it does come out. Like the difference between three and four attack, especially early, is pretty significant. Um, and so, and, and also the fact that it's just going to do less damage over time if it sticks, right? Like if it, if it connects five times at four or not, not five times, if you know, you have two, let's say you have two knolls come out, right? So you have a turn to, you, you have a big turn where you're trading a bunch, you get the knolls down to zero, then you get two of them down on turn two, right? So that's eight damage over four turns ends the game. Now you're talking about six damage a turn, which is going to bring it down, is gonna, is gonna add a whole extra turn to the clock. That's, that's significant. And also like a lot of the taunts that it could trade through, like there are a lot of early, like four health uh, minions. Like one of the, one of the minions that I like to play in, in Quest Priest was uh, Death's Head Cultist, which is a two, uh, you know, a three mana two four. And this would just trade it off, right? So now it's going to have to, it's going to need help to get through. It's going to need a dagger hit or something else to get through it. And and that that's a pretty big deal. Like, again, if they get a nut draw, right, and they get, like, all the things, yeah, it's still a lot of damage. But it's a little bit less damage. Like, 4-5 was too big, right? Like, I would love to see the, the health on it come down, actually, because... Five health on a minion that comes down early is a, still a lot to remove. Um, we've seen multiple five health minions get nerfed in the toughness category. Like Evil Miscreant and Shadow, Re Shadow Jeweler Hanar were both five health and they got nerfed down to four health because they were so hard to remove. And I do feel like this is, this is more of a proactive minion. <clears throat> as opposed to something you're going to be shadow stepping. But you do sometimes shadow step it, right? Like, you sometimes will shadow step a knoll to be able to refresh the health on it. I think that it, it would be... I would like to see them bring it down to a 3-4. I think 3-4 for as, as cheap as it is, is fair. 3-5 is still going to be difficult to remove because 5 is a very high break point for health early in the game, which is when you generally want knoll to come. I think, I'm not saying it's not a good nerf. I'm not saying that's not going to have an impact. But I, I feel like they're, they could have gone just like a little bit further. Because it's just like so oppressive, right? Um, but but I think this, this is a good nerf that they both address, adjusted the attack and they adjusted the mana to make it come out slower and hit a little bit less hard. That's a good thing. I think that'll make a difference. I think Thief Rogue will still be playable. Like, you'll still play this. It's fine, right? But it's not going to be... Like, the Knolls are not going to be a, a win condition, like, on their own as much. And that's... I think that's really mostly what, what folks wanted. Like, I don't love that Thief Rogue in general is a viable meta deck. I'm hoping that it goes down to, like, Tier 2... At least Tier 3. I it, Reasonably, it'll probably go down to Tier 2. Because um, I just don't love a deck that's built off of, like, random random stuff being a deck. But, I mean, you didn't even run that much Burgle stuff in, Bur in, in like, a Thief Rogue. Like, you were running Maestra and, like, maybe a couple other cards and that was it. I, th I think you're going to have to run more. 
to be able to get it down consistently. And um, like like something like the the Maestro Poison um, Poison Rogue, I don't think you'd be able to get away with that as easily. I mean, for other reasons too. But but for this reason, I don't think you'd be able to get away with the Knolls in there just because just having Maestra in the deck is not going to be enough to um, it to be able to get it down consistently early. You're going to need to actually run Burgle cards, which will decrease the consistency of the deck naturally because a lot of the Burgle cards are slow. And they're also, um, you know, there's a lot of variance there. So we haven't left Rogue yet. We're not done. Because Cloak of Shadows also needed an adjustment. And that's going from three mana to four mana. Good. Get out. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, you know, the card is, is dumb. It really is. And like, you know, nobody asked for Ice Block to come back. Yes, this isn't as good as Ice Block because it only lasts for a turn. Nobody asked for Timeout to come back either. No, it's not Timeout because you can't you can't attack after you do it or you lose the stealth. Nobody does, right? Like, yes, theoretically you could die from a Mask of Cthulhu. It doesn't happen that often. So, going to four mana again means that you will be able to fit it in less easily on a turn. You won't be able to do as much. Um, you won't be able to get down as early. You won't be able to do as much in front of it or behind it. And that and, and that will make a difference. I think, the, and, and the fact that you're going to have it stuck in your hand and taking up four mana to not die, right? And then do that again um, means that you're really pushing the cloak. I mean, we're pushing the cloak, cloak, scabs turns to six, seven, eight from five, six, seven. That's a big deal. Right, like there, I'm sure if you've played against that deck, there have probably been games where you would have won had you had one more turn. So now you're getting one more turn. You're gonna get it somewhere, right? Like you might not get it on five, you might get it on six, you might get it on seven, right? But you're gonna get one turn in five, six, seven, and eight where they're not gonna be able to cloak and they're not gonna be able to scabs and you can get them right? That's a big deal. That's going to decrease the, the consistency of the deck a lot. Um, cause it can find, you know, like that, that should be something where they need to be able to find it and they, and they can, right? Like they can draw it. Well, they can generally find the cloak. Um, secret passage is really good to find a cloak of shadows. Like four swings at it is, is generally enough, right? But there are, there are plenty of other ways to find it too. Like there's so much card draw on the deck um, that it's this will make a difference in terms of just making the entire reliance on stealth less oppressive. And again, you're not going to be able to rely on the null. Like Poison Rogue may be able to go back to the way it was before with like Sinister Strikes, but it's going to need to probably run more removal in order to be able to get away with that. And that means less room for card draw, less room for damage, right? So, which means less consistency. I I sincerely hope that Poison Rogue goes away after this. It is not fun to play with, and it is not fun to play against. Um, just knowing that you're gonna be sitting there looking at your hand for three turns is not a fun play pattern. And, you know, I, I understand the, you know, they wanted to print some support for this archetype, and they did, 
I think the th the risk is when you make an archetype like Poison Rogue too good with something like Cloak of Shadows to support it, you get into some pretty negative play patterns. So I'm glad for this change. I'm hoping that this takes Poison Rogue out of contention for a while. So while we're talking about non-interactive non-interactive decks, Encanter's Flow is going from three mana to four mana. Good, get out. This is the, the nerf that I called for originally, like way back in, you know, the early part of the year when we had D Deck of Lunacy. And, and I, I thought that we needed to put flow to four just because like this was going to keep happening, right? And, and I said that when it was pushed to three, I said that wasn't enough. After they put, after they nerfed Deck of Lunacy and after Quest Mage came in, and they, they pushed flow to three, and I said that wasn't enough. We needed to go to four. And turns out I was right. Like, it's because they, you know, they nerfed the quest, and then Mozaki came out. And, and all of these decks revolve around the interaction between discounting, heavily discounting your deck, which is 90% spells, and bulk card draw in the form of refreshing spring water, in the form of arcane intellect, in the form in the form primarily of cram session, especially with Mozaki, but even with but both quest mage as well, right? Like it's generally the combination of spell damage plus um, plus heavy discounts plus um, plus cram session. That's been the big problem, and I think when cram session rotates, I mean Mozaki's going to go away too. Right, so that we'll, we'll be we'll be through with this play pattern. I don't really think, like Quest Mage hasn't really been viable since the nerf, which is good. I think I, I just again those play patterns are not interactive and they're not fun to play against and even to play with. They're not all that fun all that all that often, um, and they should be, exist, but they should be less consistent. Um, flow at four is, uh, I mean, is a big deal, right? Because like what you're talking like when you have a, a spell that effectively does nothing the turn you play it, right? And, and Encanter's Flow right now is three mana do nothing because it's potential energy. So you need to be in a relatively safe spot to be able to rip that without, without you know, tanking the rest of your game plan, right? That gets exponentially harder with every turn that passes. Turn two, there's generally not much of a board. It's pretty easy to rip, a, rip an Encanter's Flow. Turn three, it's a little bit dicier, but it's not that big of a deal. Turn four is when things start stop stop being polite and start getting real, right? So, like, if you're looking at a board on turn four, and then you're going to flow into that, then you're probably taking some damage behind it. And by the way, you're discounting the next one, which is also going to cost three, as opposed to you know the three mana one discounting one that caught that then costs two. It makes it harder to fit into a turn without um you know with without being able to do something else with it and you want to play that card as early as possible because the other impact of playing that later is that you are hitting one fewer card in your deck right and and the double discount is hitting you know is hitting even less right so like you're you're going to be discounting fewer cards just because you're going to have drawn them and then you're going to have to find a spot to be able to play it and not die um, that's always been kind of the downside of Encanter's Flow. It's never really been a downside because it's never been expensive enough. I think four is around where you can you can 
start worrying about it. Like, we've seen this with Deck of Lunacy, right? Where Deck of Lunacy, when you when it was two mana, you could build your deck around it and, and kind of just rip it and, and be fine. Once it went to four mana, that was a real choice, and sometimes you were putting yourself at serious risk. Because it, like, takes a couple of turns for that benefit to be realized also. Like, you don't see it right away. You have to draw a bunch of cards to get it. <coughs> Excuse me. So, I, I, I'm hopeful that this will be enough to Mozaki. They may have to just touch Mozaki, too. Like, they may have to bump Mozaki up a mana or so. Um, to to make that if we if if this isn't enough, but I do think that this is um, you know a good change. Flow has been a problem card ever since it was basically ever since it was printed. Like we didn't really have enough um, support for like you know no no minion mage. We did a little bit at the end of last year, but like for all year, Encanter's Flow has been a problem, and it, it's it's like a Kaliseth problem where. If you draw it early, it may you know then you you generally have a much higher win rate than if you draw if you don't draw it. Those are the cards that are problematic and that need to get bumped up a little bit. Um, and they did, so I, I'm I'm glad. I I wish it hadn't taken this long. I really do feel like this should have been part of the last set of of um, of meta of balance changes because this was pretty pretty well um, you know pretty well foreseeable. But, you know, better late than never. So, you know, Mozaki Mage hopefully will, will at least be one less deck that we'll be seeing a lot of. Outside of, like, a tournament setting where it still might be viable as a counter to some strategies. And then the last of the, the, the nerfs to standard cards, which is also going to kind of bridge us into Wild, um, is to the Warrior Quest. Which um, is, you know, it was, it was kind of a joke when it was first revealed and then we got a bunch of buffs to the pirates and then we got a bunch of pirates in dead excuse me in dead mines and then it got a little bit too powerful and it's you know at higher levels of play it's fine it's not really a problem um at lower levels of play and particularly in wild i'm not saying that wild or lower levels of play that was that was bad phrasing but in at lower levels of play and in wild it is pretty oppressive um, it's a it's a fairly easy deck to pilot. Like there's a fairly low skill floor and there's a low skill ceiling. Like there's not really a lot you can do in terms of skill expression with a pirate warrior. At least in standard and wild, you get a little bit more. You have a little bit more options because you know there's a little bit more sequencing and some of the pirates have some interactions. But like in standard, there's not really a lot of skill expression there. Um, it it the, you do what you're going to do. You get your pirates and you hit them in the face and you hope they don't have an answer. Um, but at lower at lower ranks, there aren't as many answers to that, right? And people just don't know how to play against it. And you know, regardless of rank, rolling a random smite never feels good, right? Or if they just draw the smite after they get Ricard down, tap and Ricard down, then you know that that always kind of feels bad. So there, uh, the the second phase of the quest is going up to play play three pirates. Um, from play two pirates. I, I think this is good. I mean, it's it makes it so that you you do have to you know play a few more pirates. That second phase is going to come out a little bit slower, and that does come out kind of fast, especially if they have a cannoneer down. Um, it can feel like it's coming down pretty quick, um, and and just kind of delaying delaying the 
the quest completion and making it a little bit more variant when it's going to come down. Because again, it's just too consistent at what it does. It's it's very it's very rare that a, a pirate warrior will whiff for like multiple turns on being able to get Rakara down on curve. Like they might wait till six to make sure it's not going to get mutinous or whatever. But it, it's pretty or you know whatever. But it's 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 pretty hard to to whiff on that too hard. And that goes doubly for wild. And wild, it's one of the best decks because you have, um, you you still have Sky Raider, which gives you a random pirate in addition to car to cargo scamp and or, or harbor scamp rather. Um, you have like you know uh, Nazat's first mate, which will give you a weapon for the cannoneer. You've got like a lot more cheap pirates. You still have um, you still have deck hands. You still have blood sail corsairs. You, you have a lot more cheap pirates and you can get this done generally by turn five very consistently. Um, so, and then you have all, you know, have, have all the cannonballs going everywhere and everything else. So uh, this will, it, it'll help a lot in wild to kind of add to a little bit of diversity and change things up. And in standard at lower ranks, I think, I mean, the deck was fine. It probably didn't need a, a change for standard, but I'm glad that, that they're thinking about wild and about not the like tournament meta, um, for uh, you know for a change. So then we get to the wild nerfs, and again, one of these is a little bit. I mean, Sorcerer's Apprentice is. I'm surprised it went this long, because Sorcerer's Apprentice has been like a staple of mage of, of non-interactive mage decks for as long as I can remember. I, and I mean, I have fond memories of Sorcerer's Apprentice. Like I was, I was a Flame Waker mage player early on, right? Like I loved that deck and you know, there are, you know, and then we've had like quest, you know, the, the time warp quest mage and you've had the infinite Antonitis fireball deck. And now you have, in, in wild, you have Ignite Mage, where you have the... I forget what the elemental is. The 4-5 elemental, that every time that you play a spell, you cast a spell, you draw a spell from your deck. Um, so you end up playing two apprentices, you Molten Reflection them, you play uh, Sanctum Chandler, I think is the card. You play that, and then you just start playing all your spells, right? And then eventually... What happens is the last spell that's left in your deck is Ignite, and that keeps shuffling in. And you keep playing that over and over again. It It is a lot harder to pilot than it sounds. Um, because being able to get all the combo pieces drawn out is not easy. And then, you know, not getting, like, Neophyted the turn before you go off, and, and or Lothebbed in Wild, and then being able to do all of that. And, and that animation for shuffling Ignite in takes forever. Which is why there's been a lot of outcry about animation cheating in Wild, if you've seen that. Because there are some people who are able to turn animations off, and so they get to do, like, all the actions of the turn without having to wait for them. And, you know, when that happens, yeah, you can do hundreds of damage, right? Because you're, you're not constrained by that anymore as long as you're only constrained by your, your network connection to the server. Um, but, I mean, not everyone who plays that deck is, is cheating with animations, and, like, you can get there. I tried to play the deck. It's real hard. But when it works, it works. And and it's the kind of deck that you could get very good at, right? Like, I didn't really want to put the time into it. But it's one of those decks that's hard to pilot. But if you put the time into it so you can recognize 
like the situations when you can go off and like you know all that like it it will it will win games and it is incredibly obnoxious to play against because again it's like if you if you play only standard if you can imagine like quest or mazaki mage but like worse this is this is it so it's something that wild players have complained about both because it enables a lot of cheating and just because the deck is just not fun to play against so and there there have been so many like sorcerer's apprentice has done crimes like to be fair right like i only rattled off a couple of uh, a couple of decks but there's been plenty that have featured um like like source double sorcerer's apprentice molten reflection you know with with simulacrum occasionally or whatever like that's been we've all seen that if we've played for any amount of time so sorcerer's apprentice is going to four mana good right i think that that's too powerful i i i think you could also solve it by saying cards cannot be cannot cost less than one it's something they clearly don't want to do and i'm not i i I would love to understand why but i I mean i'm sure it's just because people enjoy that but enjoy playing things for free but um but sorcerer's apprentice i mean this is this is one of the other ways you do it is that you give it like a two mana nerf like a one mana nerf means that they want the deck they want decks that are playing that card to still be viable but they need to tone them down a two mana nerf means get out like that's generally what a two mana nerf means like this card is no longer welcome and so they're they're hitting it with the with the nerf hammer i think it's long overdue i'm i I think that i don't i haven't really been keeping tabs on what the wild community has been saying about it but i think that it's at least a step in the right direction that they're they're addressing this because it has been such a problem for so long and the the other wild specific nerf that they're making is to rapid fire um rapid fire was a card from um oh gosh now why am i blanking on the name the the first the first expansion of um of uh year of year of the dragon um it's a twin spell here hunter card for one mana deal one damage to a target with twin spells you get to play it twice so if you're where this is played is in quest hunter which is one of the best decks in wild also because you get to play quest on one and then you play rapid fire rapid fire for one card on two quest quest stage one complete you're good you're good right so and then you get to do you you have two copies of that right so you get to complete quest much more quickly again usually by like five or six um because you have more spells you have more spells that go that do damage you have more damage that more spells that do damage that target face um so what this is doing is this is going up to two mana and dealing two damage and this is a really really interesting way to solve the problem because what it's saying oh oh i should say that they play that with baku the moon eater so your hero power does three damage right which is a big big difference when you get to shadow reaper and to win out your hero power right when it refreshes after every spell like you can you if you've played against the deck in standard you can imagine what an extra damage on that hero power does every single time right it's very hard to survive once they get the once they get the quest done so this this kind of handles this in a really elegant way by making you make a choice you either get to play with baku or you get to play without rapid fire because rapid fire is now an even card you cannot play even quest hunter um you probably wouldn't want to anyway because it discounts your hero power 
but you cannot play even quest hunter because the quest is odd and now if you want to play odd quest hunter you can't use rapid fire which is going to slow the deck down significantly there are probably other spells that we could work in to um to make up the gap but having one spell with two kicks of the quest was huge for that deck so either you're taking the spell the the damage from the hero power down to where it is in standard and using rapid fire which i would expect is probably the way it's going to go or you continue to play with it with baku but you don't get rapid fire which means that you're going to have to put more card draw into the deck to be and maybe more spell generation to be able to find more spells that can do damage because having two in one was a huge big deal for that deck uh, again i've played a fair amount of this on my when i've been playing you know up at the the diamond ranks and it's a very good deck it's a little bit overtuned and it's 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 pretty boring so i i think that this is a pretty good change to kind of introduce some some meta diversity into wild and finally we got one buff um in this in this upcoming patch and that's rakar the valorous which is the hero portrait for warrior um is going from five armor to ten more ten armor i i think that's a good change i mean given that the um you know the intent of it is that you're running your face into things <clears throat> so that's good right like you you should get a little bit more of a of a burst of a burst of a boost from that right and and it really is a control warrior card like i don't think it really fits in a in a pirate warrior or quest warrior i think that's pretty been pretty much borne out um you can find room for that in a control warrior but um you know again it's it's you're playing it for the weapon right and the weapon's asking you to run your face into things so if you're doing that then you should get a little bit of a boost from it and then you can also you know use that for any of the ar the, the the armor matters cards that are in warrior does this make war control warrior good enough huh, it's not really right now um, and you would think that this would be the metaphor given that, you know, you have a bunch of decks that are bursting you down for 40 or 50, right? You would think that a deck that, you know, cared about armor gain would be doing pretty well, but it's just not. Um, but I mean, this is not the only meta in which Ricardo the Valorous is going to exist, right? So I, I think that this will be a good place, a good change for that card um it should give you a little bit more armor just because of what it's asking you to do um you know and and it may or may not see play immediately but i think it'll help the value proposition and maybe there will be some experimentation with it so here's the next question right what do we do what are we playing well i'd probably stay away from rogue for a while mazaki mage is something that most people weren't playing on ladder anyway um, it lost hard to Thief Poison Rogue. It was a hard deck to play, even when, even when it, you know, you weren't running into that matchup. <clears throat> so, I would, I would just give Rogue like a minute to settle. I'm sure Thief Rogue is going to be fine. Like, I don't know that it's going to be top tier, but it's going to be okay. Certainly, it'll probably be playable. Um, but it may just not be as as good as it was even like the non-poison list still is going to be dealing with two nerfs 
um, that are not insignificant. So I would I would wait a little bit on those and see what the lists look like. I mean, Druid is still fine. There are plenty of Druid lists. Beast Druid. Um, you can still play the Razor Main Battle Guard list. There are plenty of Ramp Druids that you can play um, that are all reasonably good. And there and I mean they'll probably have some new counters because they were being played a lot to counter the Thief Poison Rogue, but um, they're all fine. Um, there are plenty of Shaman decks as well. Doomhammer Shaman. There's There was a Burn Shaman that I don't know that I would recommend, but that was... Um, some people have tried bringing those to tournaments. There's Quest Shaman. There's Bolden Row TK Shaman, which if, if you want to play a deck that kills your opponent from 30 from hand, then that's, that's your choice right now. Um, Librem Paladin is still going to be good. Like, that didn't... I, I'm... I'm mildly surprised that they didn't touch Lightforge Chariot. Like, that seems like a deck that you're probably going to want to go back to and revisit, because Lightforged Chariot is now easily the best hero card, um, and it's not close. Um, that, I'm, I'm, I am kind of surprised that that didn't get a nudge too, because that seems like that's probably going to be, um, I mean, that really just took a step back just because, like, you know, Thief Rogue was just got out of the gate faster, but Libram Paladin, and there's you know, like, I got to Legend this month with, with Hambuff Paladin, and that deck seems, seemed okay, too, until, you know, started running into Rogue Stone. So that might be something worth revisiting as well. Um, Quest Priest might be able to make a, a, a return, we'll see. Um, and, and even Miracle Priest is something that, <clears throat> you know, people were, I mean, if, if Paladin was back, you probably don't want to play because people will start playing like silences and devolving missiles again but and and you know playing that into a into playing that on so miracle priest with nasmani blood weavers that the turn that that would go off was usually six which is into the scabs turn which feels terrible um so that giving you another turn to be able to kind of stabilize and be able to get some damage in might be might be viable again um, but if people are playing a lot, a lot more devolving missiles and silences because of Paladin, then that won't be the case. Um, yeah, and, and, and Handlock is fine too, right? Like that was a reasonably okay deck that, again, would just die from 30 pretty quickly. So that's another deck that you could, you could be looking at. So there's a lot of decks that still should be fine. Like this is again, you know, despite, despite, you know, the top end, like the next level down is fairly diverse, right? So there's a lot of decks that you can play. It's going to be, again, kind of go back to the the episode that I, that I posted a couple weeks ago about, like, playing in a diverse meta. I think we should get back to that. We'll see if something is, like, like nothing in that second tier feels horribly oppressive. Um, you know, they were all kind of keeping each other in check for the most part, so we might be able to get back there. I mean, it might be the... I don't think there's really, like, another deck that's, like, super overpowered, though Druid... Druid might get there, Paladin might get there, we'll see what happens without Rogue to keep them down. Um, but there's plenty of things you can play. Um, I think this will be a good, a good set of nerfs, and then we'll see what happens with Rogue. Right? It's possible we could be having this conversation again. I... These, these changes... You know, Kibler put out a video, and if I remember, I'll put a link to it in the show notes, talking about what he thinks the problem is. And the, you know, he did talk about the fact that the Maestra interaction with Noel is a problem because 
when you are disguised, you count as a not rogue. But the developers have also kind of... I don't remember seeing this, but I know Ridiculous Hat is, has alluded to it several times when this comes up. The developers have pretty much said that they designed the Null for Maestra. So I don't think they're want, they want to change that interaction. Right? Like, they knew what they were doing when they printed Null. I don't love a ladder environment where, Ma where Maestra is good. It's just like there's skill in mulliganing that is kind of blown out by that. I mean, you get some things back by looking for golden hero powers, um, you know, looking for classic card backs if you're close to a, quali a day of a qualifier, because in, in, in Master's Tour qualifiers, you need to use the classic card back for the Maestro deck and non-classic card backs for all the other ones. Um, I mean, there there are there are certainly some you know towels that you're playing against Maestra, but I don't I, I don't love that. I don't love that play pattern. I would really like it if that was you know I mean, I I don't mind there being a burgle rogue, right? But I do think that if you're playing a burgle rogue. Like, you should have to put Burgle cards in your deck. Now, this will push you in that direction. Um, but I, I don't love that you get that discount for free just by putting Maestro in your deck, right? And, and then getting that right off the top. Uh, but that's not changing, right? Like, that is that is clearly something that developers wanted, wanted to have as, like, an incentive to play Maestro. So that's going to be with us. Um, you know, but I think that overall these are good nerfs. It's, it's enough nerfs, right, to, um, to be able to address the fact that, that Rogue is just, like, significantly overpowered and, and really just to get us through to rotation at this point. Um, like, a lot of the cards in, um, in last year's sets are particularly Secret Passage, which... I wouldn't have minded seeing that go up to two because Secret Passage is also kind of the problem in a lot of these decks. Like, it, it just enables a lot. Um, but, I mean, a lot of those cards are going to be rotating. Swindle's going. Secret Passage is going. Um, Pl Prize Plunderer goes away. Foxy Fraud, which isn't really as much of an issue now, but it has been in, in the past. Wand Thief goes away, right? Like, there's a, there's a fair number of cards that are going to be rotating. Um from last year's sets that um, are contributing a lot to how powerful Rogue is. So, like, just bringing stuff down for the time being to allow Rogue to kind of naturally depower at rotation, assuming that they don't, you know, do anything too over the top. Like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what that looks like. But um, I, I, I am feeling pretty good about these nerfs, and I wish they would have come sooner. But, the, you know, the meta wasn't terrible between now and then, and we're almost there. Um... Yeah. So anyway, that's going to do it for uh, for me for this week. As always, you can find the links uh, mentioned in this episode at offcurve.com. You can follow at offcurve on Twitter to get announcements for when new episodes go live. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Wicked Good. Um, if you are someone who plays in Masters Tour qualifiers, I collect the uh, the data for the Masters Tour qualifiers from Battlefy every week, which is at offcurve.com slash masters tour. Um, so you can find all that there. 
Um, you can find me streaming uh, every Monday and Friday night at 7 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash wickedgoodfm. And uh, you can join the Discord, where we have a lot of wonderful and um, kind and thoughtful people who are happy to talk Hearthstone with you, which is at discord.offcurve.com. So thanks, as always, for listening. Um, you know, good luck making it through till Tuesday and enjoy the new meta. And uh, be good to each other. We'll talk soon. Have a good one.